we started the big issue, John Bird started the big issue 30 years ago. And with the pandemic, it was the first time that vendors in those 30 years were unable to sell. Uh, and we had to go through a huge um, transition and setting up a huge appeal to support vendors through that crisis. Hello and welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. Today I am joined by Zoe Hayward, Group CMO at The Big Issue. Zoe has worked at Unilever, Cobra Beer, Nomad Foods and most recently spent seven years marketing for MS before her time at The Big Issue where she has spent almost three years. Many people will know the British social enterprise by its street vendors cheerfully selling the magazine on our high streets which have now become a staple of British culture. The Big Issue was originally founded in 1991 after Britain's inflation rate stood at a staggering 9.5% the previous year. We are now in a similar place again and the risk to Britain's poorest is ever increasing. Zoe headed the social enterprise's extensive rebrand as Big Issue Group with a five-year plan to further their impact and awareness. Hi Zoe, thanks for being this week's attention seeker. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and uh, lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. Well, Zoe, for those that aren't as familiar with The Big Issue, can you talk to us a little bit about what they do and what you do at The Big Issue? Of course. So my role is Group Chief Marketing Officer at The Big Issue Group. The Big Issue is a social enterprise and we have a number of businesses within the group. People traditionally know The Big Issue for the magazine and our work with vendors. Actually, we're um, we're much more um, than that. We have a mission to create solutions which unlock social and economic opportunity for people. And we work with people from a range of backgrounds who are affected by poverty. So what we try to do is change lives through enterprise and we have a number of different um, elements to the group. So we have the publishing business, which is our work with vendors, and then we have a digital arm to that publishing business. We also have um, two investment businesses. So we have a B2B investment business where we take money uh, into the business and turn that into loans and grants that social enterprises and charities can apply for. We've got a B2C investment business, so you can buy ethical ices and gices from us. We have a big issue shop where we work with sustainable uh, manufacturers of products and sell those um, through our online shop. Um, We have a parliamentary and policy arm through uh, John Bird, who's our founder. He's um, in the House of Lords. Um, And we've just launched a new um, initiative called Big Issue Recruit, which is about getting people who face barriers to employment um, into the workplace and into sustainable jobs. So, you know, the big issue is and the group is really very different from what the big issue was 30 years ago when it started and probably what most of your listeners will know it as but it's um incredibly varied and you know our big mission and um goal is to get um as many people affected by poverty into you know earning or working and and help as many people as we can so we've got some really big five-year impact goals that we're um we're striving towards so it's a very exciting time for the big issue 
So you have you've had experience marketing for a consumer brand like M&S and now you are marketing for a social enterprise with a very important social responsibility. What's the difference like marketing for two very different companies? What I love about marketing is the opportunity to utilize, you know, the skills and knowledge that you have and then apply that to different products, organizations and and different um, you know, audiences. I think I was really attracted by um, the job working at uh, Big Issue Group, you know, for a number of reasons. And really, it was to be able to put those skills that I'd honed in, you know, some incredible organizations like Unilever, where you get, you know, epic marketing training as a sort of as a graduate and be able to put those into practice in an organization where I felt my skills could be really well utilized and ultimately, you know, do good. And that's what I really love about the job. It's you know, I can leave the office or my desk at the end of the day and feel, you know, that I've, um, you know, really made a contribution. And I think, especially at the moment with the cost of living crisis, that feels really important to me personally that, um, you know, I can feel like I'm I'm making a, a small difference um, each day. And uh, so that's, you know, that's why I really love the job. Yeah. And it's important that you mentioned the cost of living crisis there, because then especially for the big issue, this is a, you know, it's an incredibly difficult period. And so how does this impact your work at The Big Issue? How does it change? So obviously COVID and the pandemic was incredibly challenging for us as an organisation over the last few years. We started The Big Issue, John Bird started The Big Issue 30 years ago. And with the pandemic, it was the first time that vendors in those 30 years were unable to sell. Uh, and we had to go through a huge um, transition and setting up a huge appeal to support vendors through that crisis and obviously support ourselves as an organisation to ensure that we could continue to exist and survive and support those people who needed us most. And obviously through that transition, you know, needed us more than ever. But at the same time, we also knew that there were solutions that we could launch and ideas that we had in the pipeline where we could basically help more people than um, than ever before. And given that there are more people living in poverty than ever before, you know, there are 14.5 million people in the UK living in poverty. We wanted to bring a new mission, new strategy, new impact goals, as you mentioned earlier, um, repositioned and rebranded earlier in the summer. And our ambition is to is to support as many people as we can living in poverty to you know, create opportunity, whether that be social or economic opportunity. Well, it's incredibly important work that you do. But on our podcast today, we want to get to know you as this week's Tension Seeker. So, Zoe, what has been getting your attention recently? So I think the interesting thing at the minute with the cost of living crisis is um, obviously the news is full of stories about the economy and how people are, I suppose, facing much more challenging circumstances than they have over the past couple of years, even though they probably thought that COVID had brought, you know, the most challenging circumstances. Obviously, circumstances at the minute people mean that consumers are really having to change their behaviour. And there's some really interesting articles and stories, obviously, at the minute about how people are doing things differently, shopping differently, changing their habits in terms of the sorts of products that they buy, moving to wonky veg, cheaper cheaper grocery retailers, changing their energy usage, moving to frozen foods. I think there's some really interesting 
behavioural changes that are going on for consumers at the minute. And that has a big, obviously, implication for brands and marketeers and how they behave. And I think a lot of brands are obviously finding it difficult to navigate their way through what is an incredibly challenging and really fast moving time. So, you know, from a day day on day basis, the world is changing very significantly and at a very, very quick rate. Um, So I think that's really interesting. And one of the campaigns that I think is particularly interesting um, at the minute and is very clever is the shelter campaign, um, where they've uh, really been highlighting some of the interesting solutions that politicians have been suggesting that consumers could do and then really turning that into a call for policy and government change. So I think that's a really interesting way to, um, you know, capture uh, consumers imagination and turn that into action um, and support so yeah I think it's very very interesting and challenging time for a lot of brands and obviously a lot of consumers mm, completely oh, yeah I, that was a really great campaign campaign from shelter I, I love that as well uh, and Zoe we'd also like to know how much of an attention seeker you really are uh, so can you recall a time and tell us about a time where you have done something completely ridiculous for attention I found this one really difficult. I'm naturally quite an introverted person, so um, I was I was more thinking of a work um, work answer or a, a work solution to a problem that um, that uh, I could share with you. And actually, it's one of the things that we've you know kind of already touched on. Um, so in March 2020, obviously when the first lockdown um, was put in place um, with the pandemic, it was an incredibly tough time for us at the issue I joined a couple of months um, before so it was an interesting um, entrance into a new uh, into a new role Uh, and obviously within sort of 10-12 weeks the whole country was in lockdown and um, as I said earlier you know we had to ask our vendors um, not to sell the magazine and we went into a sort of full-on appeal mode in order to get as much attention as we could get for our cause and for our vendors. And so we really had to change the way that we operated and worked um, and how quickly we worked, how collaboratively we worked and really introduce some of the ideas that we'd had in the pipeline for a while, but hadn't quite managed to happen. And so we, you know, we operated in a really, really different way, worked with lots of different organisations who, um, you know, offered up support to help us through this incredibly difficult time and came up with as many new and interesting ideas as we could to basically tell the public about in order to get them to support us Um, and so we went incredibly hard um, on uh, our media coverage and trying to maximize our support with brand ambassadors celebrity partners um, all of our spokespeople and get as much awareness and attention for the message and the cause to raise as much money as we could to obviously help us continue to be there for those that need us, but also to enable us to support those who were unable to sell at that time with, you know, financial support. So, yeah, it was a, an incredibly interesting time having to continuously come up with new ways to invent your, reinvent yourself to talk to the public and, and get people engaged in the message. And obviously for the amount of time that those lockdowns went on for, we were continuously wanting to generate um, attention so that was a that was a good example of really having to think you know differently quickly and uh, get as much uh, attention for your message with as many people as we could yeah I mean it's it's interesting isn't it you have to come up with all these unique and creative ways to survive and also I mean it, you've done the exact thing that people are doing now during inflation 
where people are marketing more. It's all about, you know, getting your brand out there, getting, you know, increasing your awareness. Um, and like you said, it's, 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 that's exactly what you have to be doing in those times, even though with, you know, government something in some ways are suggesting cuts to those kinds of things. But like you say, it's more important in these kind of times, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, it, you know, it's about being as relevant and topical as you can be. And so having to be very clear, you know, as to what your strategy is at an overarching level, but enable enabling you to be tactical and nimble in the way that you behave as a marketing team and um, uh, and function within the organisation. So you've really got to think, you know, quickly and on your feet and be able to react to you know, what's in the news, probably in a, a much, much quicker way than people would be used to um, doing because the world is just changing so, so quickly. Well, let's move on to our ratings section of the podcast, which is where you talk about something that you think is overrated and something you think is underrated in the industry. So why don't we start with what you think is overrated? I was thinking about buzzwords and jargon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the things that I find really frustrating as a marketeer is sort of buzzwords that are packaged up as things that already exist in the marketing world. And so you you sort of start to think, what is that? What are they talking about? And then you realize it's just something that you're already doing anyway. So I I find that uh, quite amusing and um, slightly frustrating sometimes because I just sort of think, oh, we're looking to reinvent ourselves all the time, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because obviously you want young people to come and join join the industry and you want it to be exciting. But sometimes I think we can um, create more confusion than is uh, is needed. And it it tends to be one of those things where people just latch on to the latest latest buzzword. So I definitely find buzzwords and jargon um, overrated. It's almost like some kind of exclusive club, isn't it? Yeah, kind of, exactly. you know, so I'm going to create all these confusing pieces of jargon just so I, I know that I understand them but do you yes yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just nuts without wanting to shamelessly plug ourselves too much we have released I think it was last week our jargon buster Ooh. so you know you can I'll be looking at that yeah, sign up subscribe <laughs> yeah. and we update it every month and it's exactly that I mean I I was creating that and I was googling these things um like you know, daisy chaining, waterfall, piggybacking, and I'm like, who who uses what is these? this? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to something that hopefully we will understand, and that is what you think is underrated in the industry. What should be getting more attention than it currently does? The thing that I think is underrated is really core marketing skills training, which sounds incredibly boring, but I think there is a lot of focus on tactical activity and not enough focus on kind of the real basic principles of marketing, marketing strategies that deliver against business problems. And so I think really core marketing skills training is really important for any marketer in the industry. I think it just gives you such good grounding. And, you know, we talked about this at the beginning, you can then go on and apply that to any uh, organisation, any audience group that you're working with. So if you have those basic skills, it makes you a really, really all-rounded marketer and you can go on and apply those in any organisation and any industry. And so for me, that's, you know, a critical part of being a great marketer. And I, I don't think people put enough emphasis on that. I think people are excited and often uh, driven by sort of, uh, more tactical activities and, uh, you know, whatever might be the newest um, exciting thing versus really some of those kind of core principles, which really can, you know, drive business growth and consumer behaviour change as well. 
And do you think this is training that needs to be done at, uh, you know, kind of the junior level to people entering the industry? Or is it something that needs to be refreshed, um, you know, as senior marketers join a company, for instance? Um, I think it's a bit of both. But I think, you know, the pandemic hasn't helped, really, because working from home has become such a um, a big part of the way people work and interact. So also you lose some of that on the job learning. So that face to face learning and that when you're in an office together and you just pick up, um, you know, some of those conversations and you can have quick sort of five minute chats about things that for, um, you know, more junior members of marketing teams and functions has definitely probably made learning more challenging, I think. So there's an opportunity for the marketing industry more broadly to think about, I think, how does it kind of continue to upskill and develop the the marketing population? Let's talk a little bit about your your best practice. What is the, the most exciting project that you have worked on and how did you get other people's attention? So I probably use the example of MS food actually because um, I think that's that's a, a a really nice one to talk about and an interesting one. So personally, I really love food and eating. Um, Glad to hear it. So, do so I. Uh, getting <laughs> getting the um, head of food marketing for MS was a bit of a dream dream job at the time, and um, the business was going through a transition and really looking to grow um the food side of the business and really invest in that area of the business and we were working on a positioning which was around being a food hall for all and we were really focused on a an audience um, and a consumer group which was people who really love food and whether they were 90 or 18 they wanted to immerse themselves in the world of food love cooking and so we set about uh, launching this new positioning and we developed uh, a new campaign a big campaign idea which was called adventures in and it was all about discovering this incredible world of food and we wanted to take all of the, the sort of equity in the M&S food brand that came from those kind of food porn days. You remember those um, those original ads and basically make them relevant and bring them up to date, but take all that equity in those, those assets. And so we developed um, a new campaign which covered every single touch point. It was the complete customer journey, but critically the advertising and the photography was the biggest, you know, part of the draw to get people into the store and uh, we started to work with a, a new food team who um, were uh, based out in Paris. But it was so we shot these incredible food ads in an incredible location. But it was all about. Did you go out with them when they were filming? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we oh. were lucky enough to go out, experience all this incredible food and and obviously work with them to make the food look, um, you know, incredible in uh, both visual and um, obviously still still footage but it was all about getting people to basically feel like they could almost smell you know taste touch and ultimately you know lick the screen the food looked so good um, and obviously you know drive them into the the store to buy something absolutely because after all it's not just christmas food it is MS christmas exactly. food isn't it <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, working with such an amazing set of product developers who produce, you know, such phenomenal food was was, you know, a real privilege. So, uh, yeah, it was it was fascinating. And it's also interesting, isn't it, when you do photograph food for, um, you know, 
commercial advertising. There's there's tricks to it, you know, photography ways, ways aren't there? Because I mean, I've seen I've seen videos where they, I mean, it, it's not edible much of it, is it? They use um, like PVA glue in cereal, so the milk looks extra. <laughs> We used to use, most of the food we used actually was real. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was just, they were incredibly good at making it and making it look good and, you know, extra gravy, mm. all those sorts of things to make it look really glossy. And yeah, it, most of it was real. We have come to the final section of the podcast, which is all about getting my attention. And this is the resell me a pen section. And we have chosen for you something that was iconic on the UK high street, just as the big issue is. So we have chosen for you Blockbuster. And I would like you to resell it to me in 60 seconds to today's audience in today's world. uh, And ideally with a performance marketing strategy that does get you extra points. And so when you're ready, resell me blockbuster so blockbuster is this incredible store with parking or even a drive-through you can go as an entire family to find the latest films entertainment music and games everything you need for a great night in food drink you can rent an entire entertainment series for a series of nights you can watch it as many times as you like the store allows you to take your time browse you can watch previews and you don't need to take out a subscription content is grouped by genre um, and the people that work there will give you personal face-to-face recommendations of things they've watched and recommendations of things that you might like to rent based on what you've rented before. It doesn't use up any of your data or downloads going to the store. And once you've finished, you just give it back and other people can use um, use it and re-rent uh, those copies of whatever entertainment uh, series or film you uh, you rented. So it's great for the environment because every copy is reused and re-rented. So it's I think when I I sell it like that, it sounds like a fantastic idea. (laughs) I know. I don't know why we don't bring it back. (laughs) I know. I was suddenly thinking, it's everything that you can get from your, you know, streaming services, but more, it's in person. Exactly. Your download speeds, I like that. You can get food, you can get drinks. You're not taking up any data. I'm going to come to the conclusion that you have resold me, Blockbuster. I'm I'm hoping to walk into the high street now and I'll I'll, I'll see the iconic logo there, pick up a a movie and I've got my Friday night sorted. um, (laughs) Alas, I can only dream. So this comes to the end of the podcast and I want to thank you so much, Zoe, for coming on and enlightening me and our listeners with everything you do at The Big Issue. And I hope we have satisfied your attention-seeking desires. Thank you. No, it's been uh, fabulous to talk to you. Thank you very much for um, inviting me on. If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website, performancemarketingworld.com. Well, thank you all for listening and giving us your attention. I hope you will join me next time. Mm